Welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. My name is Pat Poling. I'm the founder and CEO of Mara Poling. Happy to be with you this week to talk about a timely topic in April, and that is taxes. So we're going to talk today about the K-1. What is a K-1? Why would you receive one? And what would you do if you did get a K-1? And I think maybe most important, what is a K-1 not? So we're going to talk about all that good stuff this week, and I hope you find it valuable. As always, if you have questions, shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And don't forget to swing by the Learning Center at marapoling.com for all the great uh, video content and copies of all the past podcasts, as well as upcoming webinars. And hopefully soon, later in 21, a return to live events, or at least live events on a small scale. So with that, let's dive in and get started. So do you K-1? Do you get a K-1? Are you thinking of investing in multifamily, in a partnership or an LLC or, a, or in a, a syndication? And somebody said to you, you're going to get a K-1. Well, what is a K-1? I, I don't understand. Great question. So let's go through and talk about what a K-1 is. Uh, and we'll also talk about what a K-1 is not. So before I do that, let's talk about a W-2. So if you have a regular job, right? You get a paycheck every two weeks or twice a month or however it is. At the end of the year, you get a W-2. Shows up at the end of January and it will say you were paid this much money. We withheld this much for federal taxes and state taxes and um, there'll be some other items on there, right? There might be, um, you know, what your benefit uh, deductions were. You'll see some so stuff about Social Security taxes and the like. But it's basically the document you use or your accountant uses to prepare your federal uh, and state tax return, okay? Well, a K-1 is a W-2 for an investment, Right? Now, this is an investment that you're making inside a, an entity, right? So if you make an investment on your own, those of you that own properties yourselves, you own them in your own name, and you do all your own uh, bookkeeping and accounting and all the rest of it, and there's no partners or anybody else, you're not going to have a K-1. You're just going to have the financials, and you and your CPA are going to work out how you complete the tax filing as part of your normal tax return. A K-1 occurs when you've got partners. And I'm using that term very broadly, right? So this would not only include an actual partnership, but it would also include if you're a member of an LLC, uh, an S-Corp, or some other structure where there are multiple investors with you in this particular multifamily investment. 
And when it comes time at the end of the year to say, how much money did we make? And what do we do from a tax standpoint? This is the document that tells you the information you need so that you can file your taxes. As always, whenever we talk about taxes, a couple of points. One, I'm not giving you tax advice. That's not what any of this is. This is hopefully some educational material so you can learn more about the items that are involved in taxes relative to multifamily so that when you talk to your tax advisor, you'll be better versed in those subjects and can get more out of that interaction. And that's the second point. Please have a tax advisor. I know many of you uh, really enjoy doing your own taxes. I did my own taxes for quite some time, as well as taxes for friends and family and kind of help them uh, get through that. Many of you may do that exact same thing. There is a point in time where the complexity of your financial life, as well as the opportunities associated with certain types of tax activity will become substantial such that you ought to have someone helping you. If you're going to do your taxes yourself, at least get an advisor that you can talk to so that when you have a question, for example, your K-1 shows up and you say, hmm, I don't understand what that line item is, you've got someone you can go to who can help you decipher it and then make a decision about what it is you want to do. I advocate very strongly that you actually not even do your own taxes, that you have someone that does your taxes for you. You can be intimately involved, and a really good CPA relationship is going to be more than just showing up every spring and handing them a box of receipts and K-1s and the like. There'll be interactions throughout the year. That's what I would encourage you to find. And if you think, well... I'm a little younger right now. I don't really have that much going on. I don't know that I need to do it. Uh, there's no time like the present to start building that kind of a relationship. Your CPA is an important part of the team of advisors you need to put together to be successful over the long term. And by the way, they're not terribly expensive, right? We're not talking about spending $10,000 a year to have your 1040 uh, put together. These are modest amounts, in my experience, that people pay for CPA services, and that includes a lot of help along the way thinking about things throughout the year. So that's really uh, positive from that particular standpoint. So this K-1 that shows up is, like I said, it's like a W-2, and it's a document that you'll use or that your CPA is going to use in order to prepare your tax return. So when you look at the K-1, there's a bunch of different stuff on it. And if you haven't ever received a K-1, then uh, all you've got to do is type in IRS Form K-1 on the internet, and you, it'll take you to the IRS website, and you can download the form and the instruction packet that goes with it that explains everything. I think it's 15 or 20 pages. I was just looking at it with one of our clients this week. Um, and you can take a look through to see what types of items would be in there. I'm going to point out some of the major items that, um, that would probably jump off the page at you um, so that we can get a better understanding of, okay, what exactly is a K-1? So the first piece of it is it's going to describe 
the legal entity that you're invested in, right? So the partnership or the S-corp or the whatever it might happen to be, there'll be a tax ID number and the name of the entity and an address and all sorts of good stuff like that. So you can say, oh, that's where this came from. Why is that valuable? Well, you may be invested in multiple properties in multiple different structures, right? So you might have partnerships and S-corps and LLCs and a host of different vehicles you're invested in. So you might have 10K1s. Well, you want to be able to keep them straight, which one is which. So that item that you'll see in part one of the K1 is going to have that information. Then you get to part two, and part two is kind of the, in my uh, description, it would sort of be the meat of the bones, right? And so this is where it's going to say, here's who you are, right? So if you're investing as an individual, your name's going to be there, and your social security number's going to be there. If you're invested through an entity you've created, so you've created an LLC, and your LLC invests in multiple investments, then those K-1s are going to have your LLC's name on it. And then there'll be, again, some information that describes what that is. Is it an LLC or an individual and, uh, you know, a partnership or whatever it might happen to be? There'll be a section that talks about the percentage of uh, profit and loss and capital that you have inside the partnership. So if you're 50-50 with somebody, it's going to show you that 50-50 breakdown. It, if you're 90-10 uh, and you're the 10, then it's going to show the, the 10%. What it's not going to show you is the other person. So you're not going to get a K-1 to show somebody else. You will and should receive the tax return for the entity. So you'll have the tax return for the entity so you can see it in total. And then you'll have your K-1, which is your little sliver of it. Then we get to the piece that um, ultimately can really drive a lot of the value, right? And that is we're going to look at the, uh, the status of your capital account and in particular the current year either net income, right, if there was money made, or the loss, Right, and so you're going to have a, a say you put a hundred thousand dollars in. You'll have a hundred thousand that goes in, and if that year you got a twenty thousand dollar loss, then that twenty thousand comes out, and maybe there was some distributions, right? Maybe some cash got distributed to you, and that'll be reflected as well. So all that's going to show up there. Why are we interested in this profit or loss, the net income or loss? Well, that's the loss that we often look for in real estate, especially in the early years of a hold period, that can help us offset other income. Now, this is why you need to have a tax advisor. I can't tell you if a loss you experience on a K-1 in a passive real estate investment, so you're invested in a syndication with Mara Poling or with someone else, I can't tell you if that loss is going to be applicable to other income that you have, other passive income, uh, other uh, traditional ordinary income, I can't tell you that your tax advisor needs to sit with you and have that conversation. And that should be part of your tax planning is what kind of investments are you making? 
because you may ultimately decide that one investment over another will be more valuable because potentially there's some additional tax value in that, all other things being equal, right? So this is where your loss shows up or your, or your gain. And then there's another piece of the 1031 that actually goes through and, and starts breaking that down. Um, and then you'll see a lot of schedules, and the schedules are going to give you more of the details. For example, if you're an investor in the uh, Marpoling Total Return Fund, because it's a portfolio, you will actually see multiple uh, investments, right? Because your investment in our fund owns multiple properties. And so in this schedule, you'll see some different properties that are, uh, that are identified as you go through it. But that first page of the K-1 is what has the, the sort of the meat of it that goes with it. Now, the reason you would get a K-1 is because you're an investor in that um, investment, in that structure, that partnership, that LLC, that S-Corp, whatever it might happen uh, to be. Uh, if you're not an investor, let's say that you're a lender, right? So you loan money, right? Um, well, you're not getting a K-1 because a K-1 is about someone that has an equity participation. Uh, you might receive a 1099 reflecting interest payments that were made to you. So a K-1 is going to be if you've made an equity uh, investment. So what I encourage folks to do is... is Throughout the year, be doing your tax planning with your CPA. Um, when the end of the year comes and you get your K-1, if you have questions, you can go to your sponsor and say, help me understand this more. Remember, you should be getting a copy of the full tax return for the partnership or the LLC as well so that you can look at it, and which that'll help you get a better understanding of the totality of the loss because there will be income, uh, net operating income, right? Uh, but then there's going to be interest expense and depreciation, depreciation being the, the most significant item in the early years of a hold period that's going to drive uh, either the reduction of net income or the actual realization of a loss, depending upon which way uh, that might happen to go. So you want to go through all that, and you want to get that to your CPA as promptly as you can, and then if they have any questions, uh, most sponsors or partnerships that you're working with uh, should uh, be willing to either answer your questions, maybe via email, or hop on the phone call. We, we do that often. If folks have questions, in particular if their CPAs do, we will, we will hop on a call with the client and their CPA and are happy to answer questions. Any sponsor is going to answer the factual questions. Here's what we did. Here's how we filled that form out. None of the answers you're going to get from us or from anybody else are going to be tax advice. So what should I do with that loss? Can I do this with that loss? You're just not going to get that answer. So again, get yourself a good CPA so that they can help you as you go through that, um, that process. What if I invest using retirement funds? What if I have a solo 401k or a self-directed IRA? If that's the instance that you find yourself in, then the K-1 will be issued to that entity because that is the investor. And there are 
um, uh, there's a tax return associated with those entities, right? A self-directed IRA files its own uh, tax return. And again, if your tax advisor, CPA, uh, is not terribly familiar with uh, that type of investment vehicle with a self-directed IRA, then you may want to seek one out who has more experience there. Um, you absolutely do get benefits. It might seem odd. How do I get benefits when I'm uh, from a tax-advantaged investment, when I'm investing inside something that's already tax-advantaged? And we've done other content about that, and we'll probably do some more in the future, but there are benefits. And you absolutely want to make sure that you're filing returns uh, every year, in particular when there's losses, so that you are uh, taking advantage of those losses and are able to carry them forward uh, in the in the future. So, so those are all the things that you would uh, that you would do when with your K one when it shows up. Now, the the piece I'm actually most interested in chatting briefly about today is what a K one is not. Uh, I don't get this question often, but it does come up. Uh, every year, and that is, I will have a client who will call or shoot me an email and say, hey, I see we lost money this year, and my capital account balance, my $100,000 I put in, it's down to twenty grand. Where did all my money go? So understand that a K-1 is a tax document. It is not an investment account balance document, right? So one of the things we all really love about investing in real estate is we are investing in an asset that almost always, but not, all, not 100% of the time, is going to appreciate. It's going to grow in value. And we are able, during the period of time that we hold the asset, to depreciate it. Now, when we sell the asset, that depreciation gets repaid, but in the interim, we get some tax benefit from that. So think of it this way. There's two sets of books. Don't panic. That doesn't mean that your sponsor or somebody is playing games. It's the practical reality. There is a set of books that are the operational books. Tenants pay rent, we pay operating expenses. Net operating income is what's left over. We pay debt service and maybe a little bit of capital uh, reserves out of it and any management fees or whatnot. And there's cash left over, cash income, right? Those are the operational books that can tell you how healthy the investment is performing. And as the investment grows in value, a fair market value study, which we perform quarterly for our clients, can tell you what the value of the equity position is that you have inside that investment. Those are not tax documents. The tax documents are the net operating income less the interest expense, right? We don't get to write off principal repayment, less depreciation, as I said, fairly significant, and less any other out-of-pocket expenses, uh, actual cash expenses that are paid out. And that may generate a loss. So instead of having the cash income number as our tax number, we have this loss instead. And that helps shelter some of the income that's, 
that's generated for this. And again, your individual tax advisor can help you understand that better for your particular situation. What that will mean is over time, your K-1 might reflect, and I'm going to make numbers up just as an example, it might reflect that a $100,000 investment for tax purposes is down to $20,000, when in fact, your $100,000 investment has been throwing off five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand $10,000 a year over the course of the hold period in cash, and the $100,000 has grown to be worth one hundred and twenty or one hundred and thirty dollars or 130 and $140,000. So there's a significant delta between what we have done for tax purposes and what the actual performance of the asset is. If we sell and we don't do a 1031, we sell and simply cash out, then those chickens come home to roost, if you will. The depreciation, which is the largest driver of those losses, that depreciation gets recaptured, so it gets paid back. So there's some tax that's due on that. And then we've got this gain, 20, 30, 40% gain, whatever it is that it ended up being, and there's tax paid on that. And those are both generally paid at favorable rates, depreciation recapture rates or long-term capital gains rates. And they're paid, again, when we, when we exit. So we've been able to use those dollars along the way, which is part of what makes uh, real estate a really wonderful uh, investment. And if you did do a 1031, you can push that out further, right? You can kick that can another uh, asset down the road, right, and wait another five, six, eight years or so before you would have that particular tax exposure. So your K-1 is a great document for understanding the efficiency of your investment from a tax standpoint and should not only be used as part of your tax filing, but as part of your annual uh, tax strategy session with your uh, CPA and tax advisor. And I would, by the way, I would throw in there uh, your um, your estate attorney. It's it's valuable to keep in mind that um, when that day comes that you pass on, whenever that is, hopefully not prematurely, but whenever it occurs, um, there's potential tax exposure at the estate level that, if structured correctly, can also be avoided. And there's some 1031 benefits you can have too. So that's another conversation. But those are the folks to interact with on a regular basis as you put your plans together. When you're asking your, uh, the manager of your partnership or the sponsor you're working with, if you call me and say, hey, Pat, how is my investment doing? We're not going to grab a K-1 to talk about it. We're going to grab those operational books, and we're going to look at here's what's going on with NOI. Here's how that turned into cash that's being uh, distributed. Here's the, the most recent fair market value analysis of the investment. And that's how I can really tell how healthy my investment is. We don't want to get those confused. It's a good thing that they're different in that way. And again, one of the primary reasons is because real estate is incentivized uh, nationally uh, by all of us uh, saying that we want this kind of infrastructure uh, built and available to the economy, uh, available for commercial buildings and commercial infrastructure as well as for housing. And because of that, we have agreed that we're going to provide this kind of tax treatment to 
to real estate uh, while it's being held. As I said, once you sell a piece of real estate, you end up paying all that tax. So it's a, it's a nice interest-free loan that we get for a, a while. Um, and the K-1 is the key to understanding uh, all of that. So hopefully that helps you. If you've never heard of a K-1, it helps you understand a little bit more about it. Like I said, you can Google uh, K-1 and you'll find the IRS page for it. And you can look at one if you haven't ever seen one uh, before. If you are considering investing in a sponsored investment, something like what we do at Mara Polling or with another sponsor, or you're just going to invest with some friends, right, and you're going to create a legal entity to do it, then there's going to be K-1s um, associated with it. You're going to want to have a tax advisor or a CPA, please, to work with. If you choose not to, do everything you can to get yourself really um, experienced at understanding these documents so you can take full advantage of everything that's in them. And then just finally keep in mind that a K-1 document is speaking to the tax performance of your investment, not the operational performance of your investment. So I hope you found that valuable. If you have questions, maybe I triggered something in there that you're thinking, wait a minute, you didn't talk about this. Help me understand that more. Shoot me an email, pat at marapoling.com, M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com. And please join us again next week for another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling.